You are now entering the Bronx. Your hosts are the intrepid and all-knowing Jason T. Gaffney and the insipid and unknowing Kevin Held. Join these two buddies as they explore history and find the bright side in shitty things. Hello. Hello. You're on the bright side with Kevin and Jason. I'm your co-host, Kevin Held. And I'm your other co-host, Jason T. Gaffney. Jason, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's... It's been an adventure. It's been quite a time since our last episode. We have been to Palm Springs. We have been to Chicago. Thank you to both of those lovely cities. Absolutely. We just had Analysis Paralysis, our feature film, got into both of those uh, festivals. And now, I know we talked about it before, but now we've been to both of them. Yep. And went to the screenings and the Q&As and all the things. Which the were wonderful. Parties and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, it was great fun. I love the parties. I love a film festival. Yeah. I love going as a filmmaker to a film festival. It's pretty wild. And it was cool to see a couple of the other people's work yeah. uh we didn't get to see much in chicago because it was really a wham bam so thank you man fast yeah uh, but you're really you're the filmmaker i'm just the talent you're the filmmaker no no too. i'm just the talent uh. i'm fine just being the talent <laughs> 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 which reminds me at some point i need to release the interview footage from analysis paralysis oh god yes it's you, good stuff you it? just looks mortified why are you <laughs> look mortified? i'm not gonna release something that makes you look bad oh good well that's good no, the goal I, is to sell you not to make you Oh, I am for sale. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Just go down to uh, Christopher and Third, right, in New York? <laughs> God, I haven't been back there in a long time. I don't think they even remember me on my old corner. Yeah. They're like, who are you? Uh, I've moved on. I'm yeah. on to better things now. You're on to more expensive customers. Absolutely. In Beverly Hills. That's right. <laughs> on Santa Monica and, and Laurel. All right. I drive my own car to them now. Yeah. I don't have to take the subway anymore. <laughs> you don't have to walk to them in the rain. Mm-mm. Up both ways. <laughs> How am I like a Depression-era grandfather in New York? Right now. A Depression-era grandfather hooker in New York. <laughs> and he gets okay. home. Do you know what I had to do to get these potatoes on the table? <laughs> Let's just say I'm not going to shit right for a week. Wow. <laughs> wow. So that went a little off the rails. Um, welcome back. <laughs> welcome back to normal life. <laughs> I miss this. Me too. Me too. It's, I've missed you. Um, it was really an amazing couple of weeks, you know, at those at the at the festivals. Yeah, and it was awesome getting to spend some time with your family too. Yeah, yeah. You and your father and your mother are a bright spot. You know, oh, thank for you. sure. Like the Gaffneys and Brockmans are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And Matt is also a bright spot. Absolutely, I'm, I'm, but I'm, you know, I've been able to spend some time with Matt before. Oh, that's like, right. I, this yeah. is the most time I've ever spent with your parents and all of us combined. Yeah, totally. It's kind uh, of a wacky, wild. But it's awesome because you know once you're uh, once you're in the Gaffney family, you're just in the Gaffney family. That's right. Your parents have adopted me. I know. The paperwork is coming through. Oh, I love that. Sorry about the student debt, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we're going to explain that we're now brothers that make out in movies, but that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> nope, not fine. <laughs> Super weird. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about the time that I was dating a guy in school and the teacher gave us a scene that we were brothers? Okay. And so we would do the scene and then we would go home and... And have sex with each other. Yeah, sure. (laughs) For hours. Uh Uh-huh. Would you keep your costumes on? (laughs) No. They came off quick. (laughs) Uh, Nice. Well, that had to be strange. It was strange. And I was just... 
I tried making fun of it once, and he was like, never say that again. <laughs> I was like, hi, brother. And he was like, no. Nope. Anyway, uh, this was an amazing couple of weeks, and thank you for bringing me along. Thanks for having me come with you to of Chicago and to Palm Springs. They were awesome. For an actor, it's rare to really get to showcase and, and go out and be what you are. Right. You know, for me anyway. And, and, and I was really grateful for the opportunity to do that for two whole weeks. It was really great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But we're back to real life now, and we're back to uh, getting together and doing this every week, which I love. Yay. Uh, and uh, shall we jump into the show today? Yes. Tell All me right. some good news, please. All right. I have a bright spot for you that I think you're really going to like. But even if you don't, it's really for my word nerds out there, okay? Does it involve hippos? It does not. <sighs> I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, one not, of these days. Not every week. It can't. It can't every well or ever. <laughs> Hippos are good people. <laughs> no, it's not that. Do you play Scrabble? Every now and then. Are you a, like a word geek at all? I do like words, and I do like some word games because every now and then it, I learn myself a new word. There you go. I don't know how to say them. No, but you I don't know them. how to say you learn things. But <laughs> I do. learned myself a word today. <laughs> well, this will learn you. Uh, I love crosswords. I love Scrabble. Okay. And listen to this. Scrabble, this is the bright spot for this week. Okay. Scrabble has modernized, okay? What? Here is a short list of some of the 300 new words that Scrabble has added to its official dictionary. Are you ready? Is Jason one of them? No! <laughs> <laughs> that's still capitalized. It's a proper name. Can't use it, okay? Even though it's got a J in there and it's a really useful letter. No. Okay. Twerk. No way! Yes, you can now officially play twerk <laughs> uh, in Scrabble. Yeah. The two-letter word, ew. Ew! Yes! Yes! playable in Scrabble. Emoji! <gasps> yes. That's a J! Yes, there's a J in there, exactly. Get rid of that J. Facepalm. Facepalm! You want to play that? You officially can in Scrabble. Zen. Zen wasn't Which, already a word? It wasn't already, but there it is. It's That's now been around since I was born. And my personal favorite, sheeple. Sheeple. Yes, sheeple is an official Scrabble mm. word. Congratulations, world. Well, I guess we couldn't use Trump voter, because that's two words. So sheeple works. <laughs> sheeple is uh, the closest you're going to get right now. Uh, they're still working on MAGA. MAGA. Oh. <laughs> You can never use that in my house. Anyway, I just think that it's it's wonderful when Scrabble updates. I mean, like hey. we had the official Scrabble dictionary when I was growing up, you okay. know, and I have you run to that thing and like try to prove your case. And if it's not in that Scrabble dictionary, it is not official and you cannot use it. I always just use a regular dictionary. No, that's not okay. Oh, oh that's another one. Okay. <gasps> that and wasn't in it originally? No, because it was capitalized. But the now it is uncapitalized, and you can say okay with two lowercase letters, and now it's in the Scrabble dictionary. Okay. Yeah. I don't exactly. get any of that, but I get it. Well, I'm just saying okay is now Scrabbleable, and it wasn't before. Ew. Yes. Well done. <laughs> and it's got a W in it, which is pretty good. W emoji ew. Yeah. If you can, if you can master those two and three word Scrabble words, uh, you can win. I that know. Can, that can change your whole game. That can change everything. It can put you just over the top. I like to fight people in Scrabble. Like with the little tile board? You no. like to hit them with it? <laughs> when, they, when they put their hand out to put a tile down, you just like... I whap it like them. a nun, yeah. Yeah, like on their knuckles? Yeah. Nice. Uh, no. That's shitty. I, <laughs> I like to try to use creative spellings. <laughs> oh, so you cheat and you're not good at it. But if I can convince them, then... 
But that's the thing, you can't. Well, we Is don't have not a Scrabble. in the Scrabble fucking dictionary. It's online. If you're not in the dictionary. <laughs> don't use your techno mumbo jumbo. <laughs> Scrabble is in the 21st century. Again. Well, I want to play you one time just so you can see how bad I am at it. That's great, but I'm going to have the Scrabble dictionary next to me. And I'm still going to try to convince you. My only goal now is to use sheeple in the Scrabble sheeple. game. Can't wait. I can't wait till I get every S, and I'm like, oh no. That's my bright spot. That's what I got. I love it. Happy gaming, everybody. Happy gaming. I love games. Now, what are we talking about this week, Jason T. Gaffney? Well, we got, to, we got to handle some polls first. I know what this is. It's such a good poll, and I'm so grateful to everyone out there. All right, the question was, should Kevin watch the amazing and brilliant show Doctor Who? Oh, that is a leading poll, you <laughs> shithead. <gasps> then the answer first was... First of all, the answer's no. Sorry, uh, no one out. No, so, it didn't. Uh, so there were two answers, yes, with, three, with uh, all caps yes, with an exclamation point and three heart emojis. Or no, lowercase with a, a period and three crying emojis. Mm-hmm. A resounding three fourths of people said mm-hmm. yes. Okay, seventy five to twenty five. I believe that these these poll questions were very leading, and we should probably do more research. We should not. We should get an official agreed, company on this. Agreed after a poll. You to watch right. it. You're right. Well, I will start with 1950 whatever. No, you don't need to start it there. You need to start with the ninth Doctor. Okay, so just season one of 13. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Just, I will. Nick will show you where to start watching and give it a go. You have to get past the first season. Once you get past the first season, it gets really good. Oh my god. Why would they reboot a series but then not make it good in the first season? Well, they didn't have money. Ugh. Then uh, they shouldn't have made it. No, they. but then they got money. Yeah. They got money. <laughs> they got money, okay. <laughs> well, all right. So are we done with that? Yeah. Good. I'll watch the goddamn Doctor Who. And I'll definitely be checking in on the show. Oh, I can't wait. And I've watched it several times, so wait. I know about these episodes. Now it's my time. There my will be quizzes. For a poll. <laughs> oh, yeah? Take this poll and I'm going to bean you with it. Oh. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a nice poll. Mm-hmm. Well. Nice for me. <laughs> Anyway, what are we talking about this week? All right. All right, let's jump into the real, real meat of the show. All right, right? let's do this. Okay. Marley Matlin. I love her. Helen Keller. I don't... I never knew her. Niall DeMarco. Who? He was... We won America's Next Top Model and Dancing with the Stars and he's deaf. Okay. Gallaudet. No idea. Okay, it's a deaf school. Oh, okay. So... Okay, yes, we're going to dive deep into a part of my life as a young half-deaf man. I think it's been a minute since we mentioned that you are half-deaf. Yeah, well, we're going to learn a lot about that today. Okay, cool. It's going to come up a lot. All right. All right, so we're going to explore a time in history Mm -hmm. in which deaf people stood up and made their voices heard. Nice. That's right. I'm talking about the Deaf President Now movement. Okay. Which was basically... Like, like a movement for president of the United States? No, no, no. Oh. It's for their university. So in the late 80s... Although why don't we have a deaf president? I don't know. I don't People know. in this country are stupid. I wish we had a mute president right now. <laughs> oh. Um, so in the late 80s, the mm-hmm. students of the Gallaudet University went full revolt, Les Mis style, <laughs> over the confirmation of their new president, Elizabeth A. Zinser. Do you hear the people sing? No. Yeah. This president was hearing. She w- she could hear. Okay. And there were two other people in contention uh-huh. who were deaf. Oh. And they chose the one hearing person. Oh, okay. All right. So, we're going to... Was it, was it going to be like the first president, deaf president first deaf, deaf of president? this school? Yeah, ever. All right. Okay. All right. Oh, and the two-thirds of the candidates were deaf, and one was hearing, the hearing. and they chose the hearing one. Right. So... Tone deaf, ironically. Yeah. <laughs> Ironic. (laughs) Do you hear the people sing? Tone deaf. (laughs) 
Oh, I thought you were just singing. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, let's have a little bit of history Please. of deaf education in America. That's what we do. All right. If you were deaf before the 1800s in America, you yeah. were kind of out of luck okay. if you wanted to learn because there were no schools for deaf people. In oh, fact... At all? At all. In fact, during this time, most people thought that if you were deaf, then you were mentally ill and you could not be taught or learn. Wow. They were just kind of like, well, that's just how they are. Yeah. Oh, little Billy's just doing his thing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Quietly. Yeah. He's a quiet boy. <laughs> oh, poor Billy. Um, so if you were wealthy, however, you could ship your kids to Europe to a school for the deaf. But that was basically your only option. So if you okay. weren't wealthy, you're screwed. If you were wealthy, you were sort of screwed. Well, we fixed that now. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> so there was a school in Edinburgh, Scotland, okay. called the Braidwood Academy, founded in 1760 by Thomas Braidwood. Nice. 1760? Yeah. And a school for the deaf. Yeah. Wow. He was he was a real go-getter. Mm-hmm. He's like, hear me, deaf people. <laughs> I've got a school for you. Lend me your ears. Yeah. <laughs> you're not using them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, no one showed up. Um, so the Academy was also known as the, quote, Academy for the Deaf and Dumb. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, side no. note for people who don't know this, calling someone who doesn't speak orally, quote, dumb is incredibly offensive. What? Uh, it's just because if you know ASL, American Sign Language, you can speak. Right. And yeah, it's just they're not dumb. They're just not. They're just talking. mute. Yeah. They're mute. They don't, they don't speak. Yeah. That's all. Um, so anyway, this... Well, I think we've got that now. I mean, like, that... that Back well, then... Thinking is completely different than, than it is now, I would hope. Well, most people, I yeah. mean, yeah, I mean... So, okay, the school was attended by the Bowling family, who were colonists in Virginia. Okay. Thomas Bowling and Elizabeth Gay, who also happened to be first cousins, oh. had John, Mary, and Thomas Jr., who were all deaf. Okay. They also had several other hearing kids that we don't really care about in this story, because... But they lived, which is unusual back then, so good for them. yeah. Okay, which, who, all of the kids lived? I guess so. That's great. Well, we'll get there. So, anyway, the deaf kids all got sent to Braidwood, right? Okay. Ten years later, they would come home, and John would die almost immediately from illness. Oh. He, like, finished school, and he's like, I'm home! Blah! Oh. And uh, Wikipedia page that I found about this had a lot of information, which made sure to mention that the family was, like, devastated, because they were like, we will never know how effective his education was for him. Okay. But they were thrilled with Thomas Jr. because his education worked. Okay. And they didn't give a shit about Mary and her education because well, she's a woman. Well, educating women yeah. is not the best idea. <laughs> As we're learning, it's coming back to bite us now, isn't it? <laughs> Please bite us hard. Totally joking. Please. Yeah. I think that only women should be nominated to the Supreme Court from now on. Yes. So anyway, the next generation of the bowling family from the hearing kids were also deaf. It was, like, genetic in the family. It okay. ran through the line. William, the youngest kid from Thomas and Elizabeth Bowling, married his first cousin named Mary, not his sister Mary. Good. Um, Although, it's this Virginia, right? <sighs> Who can tell? Well, it's not West Virginia. <laughs> it's close. <laughs> and they had five kids. They, a, they share a border, in fact. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Two of the five kids that William and his cousin Mary would have would also be deaf. William wanted his kids to be educated in America, but as we know at this point, there was still no school for the deaf in America. Okay. But his first deaf child, William, Mm -hmm. caused William to want to make a school for the deaf in America. William had another William, Jr. Yeah. Or the third. Yeah, like we've met 50 people so far, and there's only been five names. (laughs) (laughs) It's Virginia. (laughs) There's like seven people named William who are deaf right now. And four Marys who are all cousins, and marry everyone. And and marry all the brothers. Five babies, and they're all deaf. Sure. 
So it. <laughs> God damn. Seven brides for seven brothers. There's only 14 people in town. <laughs> and, and half of them are named Mary. <laughs> all the boys are William. All the women are Mary. So they founded William and Mary. Yeah. So in 1812, John Braidwood, the descendant of Thomas Braidwood, met with William Bowling. Okay. Bowling convinced Braidwood to open up a school similar to Braidwood Academy in the United States. Right. So in 1815, the Cobb School was established as the first school for the deaf in America. The Cobb School in 1815. Got it. Yeah. I'm taking notes. It would close in the fall of 1816. That's very fast. They had one graduating class. <laughs> I don't even think they did. Holy shit. What happened? Basically, a fire? There was personal complications from Braidwood and oh. a lack of funding from Bowling. But Braidwood was like, you should do this. Yeah. And he's like, nope, never mind, don't want the competition. Yeah. Fuck you. Uh, So around the same time, however, in 1812, Thomas Hopkins Gallaudet met Alice Cogswell, a young deaf girl who lost her hearing at the age of two when she got spotted fever or cerebral spinal meningitis. Okay. So Gallaudet moved into the house next to Cogswell, right? Uh Uh-huh. And when he learned of her deafness, he became, like, inspired to help her through learning through pictures and writing. Okay. He eventually convinced Alice's father that she should be going to a school, but there wasn't a school in America That's as no we know. That's no mean feat either. To convince I know. a man that his deaf daughter should go to should get educated. Right. That's in 1812. <laughs> Why would I teach her? She's mentally ill and a girl. Right. Yeah. I mean, this, this is the obstacle we have to get over. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so well done, Gallaudet. So Gallaudet basically went to Europe to learn how to make a school for the deaf happen in America. Mm-hmm. He went to Braidwood. But they wanted him to stay there for five years and to basically sign an NDA saying he couldn't use their techniques elsewhere. Ever? Ever. So that defeated the point. He's like, I'm, I want to make a school. Yeah, that's my entire thing yeah. is I want to u- learn how to do this and do it other places. Well, come on over and learn from us. Sure, you can't yeah. use it anyway. Oh, well, uh, no. Uh, I think you want to learn from us. I think I'm going to go ahead with the pictures I'm, <laughs> I'm doing in, in the U.S. The pictures seem to be working out. Yeah. All right. So he stayed in Europe for a few months anyway. And watched a lecture. it's pretty. Yeah. yeah you know. He's like, well, I, I came all this it way. It was spring. It was lovely. Yeah. There were flowers in bloom. Mm-hmm. Uh, he watched a lecture where he met a deaf success story, Laurent Clerc, from the Paris School for the Deaf. Well, there's another school for the deaf. Yes. Okay. In Paris. Uh-huh. Ooh. Mm. It was so gay <laughs> and deaf. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> You're basically Paris. Yeah. <laughs> Of the 1810s. Would you like my croissant? That's the gay part. Yeah. How about my buns? They're buttered. Still gay. Where's the death part? I've got a lot of ham in my buns. Oh, my God. They're salty. Great. I don't know why I have salty salty ass. I want your salty ham buns. Please. That says Paris to me. What the hell is going on? <laughs> Look at my Eiffel Tower. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It is so tall and metallic. Oh, okay. After a few months, he was able to convince Cleric, who is now a 30-year-old assistant teacher at Braidwood. 30-year-old assistant? I know. <laughs> Get it together, man. This is 1815, okay? Your life expectancy is 45. You need to kick it up in the career department. Yeah, get a job yeah. and a wife. Have five babies. Yeah. Half of them are going to die. 30 years old. You need to be running your own business by now. Yeah. And how? Holy crap. So he basically convinced Clerk to... What a loser. <laughs> 30-year-old assistant. 
I'm a 39 year old waiter. <laughs> You're doing great. You're a movie star. I know. I'm also a movie star. Yeah. Uh, so he convinced him to come back to America with him to start up a school for the deaf in America. Mm-hmm. So they went back to Hartford, Connecticut, and established the Connecticut Asylum for the Deaf and Dumb. Asylum. In 1817. For the Deaf and Dumb. Yeah. It's a school. It later would be named the American School for the Deaf. Thank you. I used to drive by that sign, by the way, all the, uh, like, constantly. Not the first one, the second one, the American yeah. School for the Deaf. And I would always be like, Mom, there's other deaf people. And she'd be like, yes, son. That's so. adorable. I'm so glad they had changed the name from the asylum by then. Shit. <laughs> so Gallaudet was the head of the school. Okay. Or the director. Cleric would teach. Oh, thank you. Head was so unclear. Well, <laughs> there's a lot of head and Perry. And Cleric was the nose. <laughs> He really smelled a lot. Um, I love it. <laughs> Gallaudet was the head of the school, but Clerk was the neck, and he could turn the head wherever yeah. he wanted. <laughs> he was a real lioness. Uh, so Clerk would teach and become the first official deaf teacher in America. Okay. And Alice Cogswell was one of the first seven students to go to the school. Okay. And Alice Cogswell is hailed as the reason that we have the education for the deaf in this nation sure. today. Even though we named it after the man who founded it. Fine. Exactly. That's fine. So she showed people that you could actually be taught and that deafness had nothing to do with mental ability and that deaf people are just as smart as hearing people. Sure. She would go on to die at the age of 25. <laughs> that was her great See? life well, achievement. Well, she, I'm sorry, but she had it right, okay? You're going <laughs> to die at 25. Yeah. This clerk got lucky that he made history by the time he was 30. He was an old man. Yeah. Jesus. So... The success of this school would lead to more than 30 schools for the deaf to open around the nation, okay. including the Gallaudet University in Washington, D.C. in 1864. That is super, like, awesome. successful. Right. Like, 30? Okay. And it would lead to the growth of the use of manual language, as we know and love, called American Sign Language. Got it. Before the 1860s, it was widely used, American Sign Language, mm-hmm. uh, in the deaf community and was supported by hearing people. Okay. Um, hearing people actually loved it because apparently being deaf meant that you were isolated from God and American Sign Language would help you learn about God oh, and save you. Oh, thank God. So thank God. they were like, it's a way to communicate with these mentally ill, godless people. I have never understood that before. Like, the idea for a missionary that I understand is that if you've never heard of God, then you're going to go to heaven if you're a heathen because you never had the opportunity to learn it, right? Right. So why go tell people... Who are guaranteed to go into heaven that there's a God. Because now once you have the knowledge of God, then if you fall short, you can go to hell. So if you've never learned it, you've got more people going to heaven than if you've learned it and don't meet all the requirements. So I've never understood the logic of missionary work. Yeah. So anyway, just just don't just keep it to yourself. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Please stop keep knocking on my door. Yes, I've heard the good news. Thank you. Well, then that's bad news. Yeah, I know. So now I'm you've going... heard the good news. It's super bad news for you because you're never gonna live up to it. It's like the ring when you see the video. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just don't watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, so my favorite quote from Wikipedia is quote. Prior to the 1860s, the American hearing community viewed manualism, sign language, mm-hmm. as an art and naturally beautiful. Oh. They also thought of deaf people who signed as being like the Romans because of the pantomimes that are a part of the language. What? Uh, did they think they were signing in Latin? Yeah. Okay. So, in fact, Edward Minor Gallaudet, the head of Gallaudet at this point, was a huge fan of ASL and was using it to teach deaf people. He's like, this is the way to go. Right, okay. So I did a little bit more research on American Sign Language because I was like, I'm not used to the majority of people being educated 
and caring about a minority group oh, that yeah. quickly after only a few years of them thinking that they're mentally ill. It sounds too good to be true. Yeah. yeah. I was right. Oh, good. Well, so, thank you, America. Basically, after the Civil War, there was a huge movement to change from manual education to oral education. I am a big fan of switching from manual to oral. Just saying. All right. Well, oral meaning, like, verbal. Oh, never mind. Verbal to the death. Sorry. <laughs> I was thinking about something else. Sex. I'm ashamed of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, apparently, after the Civil War, people took on the Darwinist opinion of, quote, survival of the fittest. No! Yep. I... I am horrified right now. And they started to think of people who use sign language as, quote, lower animals. <gasps> Basically, that speech made us superior beings, and what? if you couldn't speak, then you were beneath humanity. Holy shit, man. They also argued that I sign... I love that about people. Just love that about people. Something that you had no control over when you were born, and someone else who is in a different situation who had no control over it when they were born as well. But you think you're better exactly. because you've got, like, vocal cords that work and, yeah. and, and like, and, and an anvil and whatever the bones are, the Hammer, horseshoe and bullshit yeah. that's up in there <laughs> happen to touch each other. It's called the asshole bone? Right, yeah. No, this is... Yes, these people definitely had the asshole gene... For uh, sure. They also argued that sign was not a natural language. No language is no natural. No language is natural. <laughs> yeah. What, what the fuck? They think that Jesus gave you English? Fuck you. <laughs> they probably do. Jeez. So a group of hearing people would form the American Hearing Society. Mm -hmm. uh, what? Oh, sure. The uh, White Lives Matter group. Sure. Yep. And they thought that ASL was a threat to them. God. And that if you were deaf and you didn't learn to speak then you were isolating yourself and you hated hearing people and you were against them. Wow. So you basically were like, all lives matter people. They were called the oralists. <laughs> which is like the fucking teabaggers. Guys, give yourself a name that's a not name. fucking dumb. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm here, I'm here for the oralist meeting. Oh, great. We don't like deaf people. Oh, never mind. <laughs> what did you think it was? Something else. <laughs> Sex. <laughs> Home run. I'm, I'm so proud of you. You finally understand how to do it. <laughs> so Yeah, I just speak all my subjects now. <laughs> it's changed my life. So the biggest champion for oralism was Alexander Graham Bell. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> He's trying to sell telephones. Come on. <laughs> you can sell it, but they're not going to hear it. It's like, it's just fucking logic. I want everyone to speak because then everyone will buy a phone. Yeah. They're still deaf, asshole. That's a good point. Yeah. Wow. Um, we've come great strides, though, with FaceTime and TTY and text and all For that sure. stuff. Yeah. For sure. I think it's TTY. I have to double check. TTYL? Is that what it is? No, that's talk to you later. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so my favorite quote from the site startasl.com is, quote, Bell started an institution in Boston in 1872 to train teachers of deaf people to use oral education. Wow. He was one person in the history of sign language who really tried to damage the lives of deaf people. Jeez. Yeah. They, like, do not like him. We are taking down Alexander Graham Bell today. I'm sure that we'll come Loving back it. and do him again. Well, let's I'm do him. I'm sure that he did a lot of bad things. Sure. He was very naughty. Interesting. All right, in that's his cool oralism ways. <laughs> it's a shame because oralism sounds so good. Yeah. But it's so bad. Yeah, you'd think it would be just great. <sighs> Disappointed. All right. So he, along with some of the other hearing people in the world, influenced the vote 
at the International Congress on the Education of the Deaf in Milan in 1880. Why is he even invited? To where oralism won, <gasps> and schools all over started using oral education over manual. Ugh. This would lead to most schools using only oralism over the next 10 years, and ASL would almost be wiped off the map. You're kidding me. It basically set deaf people back years. Um, so it's lip reading, and you have to speak right. orally. And otherwise... And you can't use... Sign language. Sign language. At all. In 1920, almost all schools would be oralist. This right. is horrible. It's just like the it's like the official language debate, you know? Yeah. Just let people. So you mentioned lip reading. Let people be. Let's learn a little bit about lip reading. If they can only talk to each other, then that's fine. They're probably talking about you. That's your real problem. Yeah. You're just concerned that they're talking about you. And you know what? They fucking are. Yeah. They hate your ass. Mm-hmm. And you know why? Because you're a shithead. <laughs> 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 anyway. All right. So we're going to learn a little about lip reading now. Mm-hmm. Lydia L. Callis, who is an ASL interpreter and is quoted to be from three generations of a deaf family, mm-hmm. wrote on HuffPost, quote, Studies show that only about 30 to 45% of the English language can be understood through lip reading alone. Really? Even the most talented lip readers are not able to gather a full message based solely on lip reading, hmm. although they are often quite skilled at interpreting facial cues, body language, and context to figure it out. Right. It's like me with hearing Spanish, I think. Right. Like, I can pick out some words. Pick out some maybe words. Maybe get an idea of the gist the tone of the conversation. And, yeah. But, like, I can't really respond and can't really... Mm-hmm. So basically, if you can understand about 30% of the language, you'd be missing around two of every three Wait, words. Wait, 70%. Yeah. You'd be missing around 70%. Yes. I can do that math. <laughs> You're so smart. Thanks. According to a test at Indiana University, where they tested 84 college-age people on lip reading, mm-hmm. they said that the people who got 30% of the words correct were actually outliers, and the actual mean was 10%. Whoa. So most people can only get 10% of words. Oh, my God. And people who do well with lip reading, mm-hmm. it's exhausting. So I use lip reading as a supplemental tool to mm-hmm. understand people. Okay. I can hear you. And in a quiet room, I'm going to hear you really well. Mm-hmm. If we're in a big area or a loud area, mm-hmm. I'm still going to hear the vowels you you make. The consonants are where my problems are. Mm-hmm. And I can kind of lip read to just get the gist of it. And I know the context of the conversation, et cetera. Right. That is me being half deaf. If down being right. completely deaf, you don't get the vowels. You don't get the necessarily context. Like, it's so much harder. Yeah. All right. That's what people don't understand. It's like the, the hear, what people hearing people do not understand is that this thing just comes completely naturally to you, right? And you've never had to work at it. And then you're in, you're you're insisting that other people do it the same way you do, which they are physically incapable of. Right? They have a perfectly legitimate way to communicate amongst themselves and to other people if you just learn it. That, and <laughs> and you know and that they're working three times, four times as hard to try to meet your standards. Right. As the thing that comes just naturally to you. You, I hate these people. Well, and the thing is, like what you're saying, like they just, if they educated themselves before Mm -hmm. they made decisions for other people that have no effect on their lives, it would be better. And like, for example, I had a doctor I went to a physical for, right? Mm -hmm. And we were talking and I told him I'm hearing impaired. And he's like, oh, you should get a cochlear implant. And I was like, that's only for profoundly deaf people. Like you don't need to have surgery where they drill into your skull and do shit that can leave you paralyzed or give you meningitis and other illnesses Mm -hmm. just because it will give me slightly better hearing and it would be robotic like it would no cochlear implants are obviously a controversial device in the deaf community and it's it's been used to help people who really want to use it Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of deaf people out there that are like it takes us away from who we are Mm -hmm. so 
well, you know, I, I hope that at least we're coming around to the idea is like, okay, you get to choose. Right. Like, like I'm not, as a hearing person, I'm not going to go up to a deaf person and be like, you need to do this. Right, exactly. Like, to make my life easier. Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> so, all right. So, oralism basically won the fight for a while, right? Sure. But eventually people figured out that ASL was way more effective in teaching deaf people and was put back into schools. Because it's a complete language. It's a complete like language. you can get that, 100% of the meaning. And you can learn it quickly like i don't like to learn how to lip read and and speak mm-hmm. like you have to put your hands on people's faces and necks to hear the vibration feel mm-hmm. not here to feel the vibration right. and uh, so anyway i basically still laugh at the idea that they thought oralism would be effective because like even with my hearing aids i still needed to sit in front of the cla- in the front of the classroom to hear the teacher and i i still can't really hear s sounds to fix my lisp and mm-hmm. like again i had to learn it by feel and that's why it says good as it is mm-hmm. I don't think it's ever going to get better than this because I have spent 32 years of my life doing this. It doesn't and, need to because yeah. you're just fine. I'm perfect. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm perfect. <laughs> my mother said I was perfect. Great. Good. She's right. She's I'm right. perfect. Your mom's amazing. <laughs> oh, that must be true. All right. So anyway, back to Gallaudet. Okay. The time is 1988. Mm-hmm. And the school is in a search for a new president. Okay. Up until this point, from its formation in 1864, the university hadn't had a single deaf president. Okay. In fact, before the board of the school chose Elizabeth Zinser mm-hmm. for president, they had received letters from Vice President George W. Bush, Senator Bob Dole, Senator Bob Graham, Senator Tom Harkin, Reverend Jesse Jackson, Congresswoman Pat Schroeder, Senator Paul Simon, and Senator Lowell Weicker, mm-hmm. all asking that they choose someone deaf for the position. Okay. A completely bipartisan Senate, House, right. Vice President saying you should do this. A lot of the power players of Washington. Right. All right. This is for the one in Washington, D.C. Right. Right. And the board had narrowed it down to three people. Although, this is a bunch of hearing people telling a deaf school what it needs to do. Well, they're telling Just a... Just say it. They're telling a board <laughs> filled with hearing people. Yeah, sure. So they narrowed it down to three people. Yeah, that not having a deaf president isn't a good look. Yeah. Yeah. One who was not deaf, Elizabeth. Right. And two who were deaf. Who'd they choose? Okay. <laughs> uh, and up until this, the point that she was named, mm-hmm. so many prominent members of the nation were pushing for the next president to be deaf. Most of the students and mo- and a lot of people were like, yeah, they're going to pick a deaf president. Like, right. it's going to be, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And is, this the, is this like the Prop 8? Uh, yes, like basically. Syndrome where you're just so sure, or the, even the Hillary syndrome where yeah. you're just so sure that your side is going to win that you, you don't, don't show really up. energize, but yeah. then the other side is like, hold on, hold on, still can fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> so, and the other thing was at, at this point, over 100 deaf people in America had doctorates. So they, like, they had a huge pool of people that could have been the president of the school. Okay. Like, there's no. Two uh, of the three candidates they had were deaf. Yeah. Okay. So the board was scheduled to make a press conference at the school with their choice at 8 p.m. on Sunday, March 6th. Okay. Kind of day one. 1988. Yeah. Got it. So you were just a I was, little baby. I was two. I wasn't three yet. Well, okay. <laughs> I was 20. <laughs> you were Shut 80. Shut up. 80. <laughs> I'm like Benjamin Button. 
<laughs> you go backwards. I was just 80 then. Uh, so they basically were scheduled to do this press conference, right? Mm-hmm. But they made a choice to release the information an hour and a half earlier at 6.30 at a nearby hotel. Okay. As I mentioned several times before, they had chosen the one non-deaf candidate over the t- other two. Right. Oh, so they released it, like, Early quietly. and elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Also, the candidate they oh, chose... Oh, so they knew this was going to be a fucked up decision. And What? And what are they thinking? Well, this is the other bonus okay. bonus points. Yeah. Elizabeth Zinser yeah. doesn't even sign. She didn't know sign what? language. What? They chose a person who what? who doesn't even speak their language to lead them. What? Yep. All right. Now, I know that the head of a university, like a university president, doesn't have to know, every know language. all of the you know situations in the school. Like, the head of, I don't know, Drake University doesn't have to be a Russian literature expert as well (laughs) as a basketball player. Whatever. Like, you don't have to be an expert in everything. But you should probably know the fucking language that is spoken there. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So, the students hadn't been super active up to this point, right? Right. Because they were sure. They were sure that they were going to have a deaf president. Okay. When they found out who was picked Mm -hmm. and how the board did it early... And didn't even come to campus to talk to the students. Full on chaos erupted. As it should. Yeah. Get Gavrosh in here. <laughs> so the students basically swarmed to several hundred quickly. Mm-hmm. And then they went down to the Mayflower Hotel where Jane Spillman, the chair of the board, and Phil Braven, one of the few deaf members of the board, were talking to reporters. We're going to be talking this week about a quiet riot, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. is an actual quiet riot. Yes. Okay. So they demanded an audience with the board uh-huh. and finally got it because finally they were, they started making noise so that she couldn't be heard over the everything. Mm-hmm. So a representative of the students and protesters, Tim Raris, mm-hmm. one of the students who was on the search committee for the actual president, met with Spillman and the other board members. Okay. They were like, we we thought she was a contender, but like. We did that not so you could pick her. Like, right. We gave you a ton of deaf people. Who were the other candidates? One of them will become... Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, okay. We'll get to that. In the meeting, it is said that Spillman said something along the lines of, quote, deaf people are not able to function in a hearing world. Okay. Or, quote, the deaf are not yet ready to function in the hearing world. Okay. Time Either to way, go. <laughs> I, if so I, they, I, I hope this. Who was saying this? This is the the chair, chair of the board, Jane Spillman. Jane Spillman. It's time for her to go over a balcony. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Basically, this fucked up statement is another example of a group of people telling another group of people that you don't have any clue how to live your how life. How did these people who have no respect for deaf people get to be on the board of a deaf university in well, the first place? That's what makes me sad. Is I I truly believe that she wanted to help and thought she was helping uh-huh. but her like it, it's it's that kind of thing where people don't know they're being racist and then they get mad when you point it out mm-hmm. they're like I'm not racist and I'm like but you, I know that you deep down aren't mm-hmm. but what you're doing is racist mm-hmm. and that's the same kind of thing here where it's like Spillman no Oh, right. no. You need to go home and have a timeout mm-hmm. like, for, like, years. I don't think home. I think over the balcony. <laughs> so after... That'll learn her. Yeah, so after hours, Spillman said that she wanted to talk to the large group of protesters, right? Mm-hmm. And gave a speech explaining their choice. Mm-hmm. It didn't go well and made... Right, because she doesn't know sign language. Yeah. <laughs> it made more people even angrier. Mm-hmm. So the rest of the protesters showed up at the White House and then the Capitol building where they planned their next course of action. Nice. Thanks to Gallaudet's official website and a few other sources, I was able to get a very detailed account of what went down over the next few days. And I, I love the fact that Gallaudet owns up to the fact that they made a bad choice 
and they did the wrong thing, mm-hmm. and they don't hide it. So they are taking responsibility as 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 a university historical perspective. Yeah, they, yeah, okay. So you got a lot of this information from them. Yeah, they're like, this is what we did. Yeah. So all right, let's enter day two, shall we? Yes, with consent. <laughs> Monday, March seventh. Mm-hmm. Do you hear the people sing? Well, does anyone? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Are they singing the songs of angry, quiet men? Yeah. Well, they're loud. They just can't hear. So anyway, the students showed up at their school and drove their cars and blocked all the entrances of the school with them. Actual barricades? Barricades. We're getting actual barricades? They then proceeded to deflate the tires so that people couldn't tow them away. Yes. And in, Set them on fire. In, in, in some cases, they even formed human chains to prevent faculty and staff from entering. That's great. And they got little 12-year-old boys onto the barricades yeah. and shot them. Oh, God. Yeah. No. Just for the sympathy factor. <laughs> I'm a little pop. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Most of the faculty and staff weren't allowed in, though. Okay. They liked them. They're like, oh, yeah, you're cool. Mm-hmm. The they barricaded themselves well, into. Who was going to class though? <laughs> no, no, was going to class. But they're like, come join us. Okay. Oh, uh, gotcha. So they barricaded themselves into the school and created a list of demands for the board who were coming to the school at noon for a meeting. Okay. When the board got there, the list read as such: one, Zinser must resign and a deaf president be selected. Yes. Two, Spillman must resign from the board. Mm-hmm. Three. The percentage of deaf members on the board of trustees must be increased to at least 51% at all times, basically. Four, there must be no reprisals against any of the the protesters. Mm -hmm. And that's it. That's kind of all they want. A really clean, clear list of demands. Yeah. Now, a fun fact about this is that the prior president, Jerry Lee, who was supposed to be an interim president, left super unexpectedly to go to work for Bassett Furniture, which was run by the... That's a weird move right but it gets weirder it was run by the husband of jane spillman okay so he was supposed to be interim and he ended up staying for longer and people really liked him and then all of a sudden he gets this job thing right around the same time that zinser came on the market for being a new president uh-huh. and it was kind of like spillman was like i can get zinser in oh it, like that's what the theory Were they buddies is. okay so they, they had the meeting with the board member, right? Mm-hmm. And the student protesters and some faculty and staff were there, and the students' demands were heard, and the meeting lasted over three hours. Okay. At the end of the meeting, Spillman told the group that they rejected all of their demands. Hello. Yes, we've heard you very clearly, and no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no is an answer. Sure. No, it is, but, like, three... Like, at least take it home with you and sleep on it, you know? No. Like, <laughs> maybe if you just did a... You know, no. Th- but what about if you just, you know, maybe... Oh, that's in... No. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so, basically, they then went to the university's auditorium to let the rest of the protesters know that what was decided mm-hmm. and everything. But Harvey Goodstein, one of the deaf faculty, knew that she was going to make her statement, decided to go onto the stage before her and tell everyone that the demands weren't met and they might as well just leave mm-hmm. and not listen to her. Mm-hmm. And they all did. And so when she showed up, so the room she came was to an empty, empty room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not a good sign. Jane. I know. Not a good sign. <laughs> the wave is not on your side. No. So the protesters were now at the U.S. Capitol building, which yeah. is about a mile away from the school. Yeah, if that room is empty, you got to be worried about where they're going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they had a rally with speeches. And now the story was front page news. In fact, uh, American Sign Language interpreters came and wore armbands with colors to help identify themselves for reporters to basically help them talk to deaf protesters right, so, so that they, the deaf oh. people could be heard on a national scale. Absolutely. That's really cool. Yeah, which is wonderful. The sign language interpreters are amazing. I've, oh, yeah. You know, whenever I, I, I've done performances, this and that, for, for things, and it's just amazing to watch. Oh, yeah. You know. Yeah. Did you see Big River? 
No, I wanted to you so bad. Have. I didn't live in New York yet. Well, I was, it was here too. I wasn't here. It came from here. Oh, I was in Massachusetts. Oh, we passed each other in transit. Yeah, <laughs> like when when Big River was moving from Theater West, you were moving from New York. <laughs> Two ships in a night. That's right. We met around Missouri, but then both went our separate ways. Yeah, it was a good night. <laughs> Under the stars, <laughs> as we passed, mm. I said hello. You said hello, and then someone interpreted it for you. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so th- this day, day two, ended with both the board firmly planted and the stu- students firmly planted. Okay. All right. Enter day three, Tuesday, March eighth. The students reopened the school to people, but basically all the students boycotted classes and instead attended rallies and speeches. Good. So they're like, "You can have school. We're not going." Right. What are you going to do? Teach yourself? Yeah. Fucker. Um, <laughs> You're the subtext of the, the protesters. <laughs> Sex. <laughs> well, they are college students. <laughs> so, in addition to that, the faculty had a giant meeting to figure out what to do, right? Mm-hmm. This was... Nobody came. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to stop having meetings no one comes to. <laughs> this was when uh, four students, Brigetta Bourne, Jerry Covelm, Tim Raris, and Greg Hlebach became leaders in their, uh, this protest, basically. Okay. In addition to them, other faculty, staff, alumni, and advocacy groups joined into the fights. Okay. And basically were like, we're in this. So day three, right? It's getting yeah. for real. Okay. And at the end of the day, the story is now nationwide news. Okay. All right. Enter day four. All right. Wednesday, March 9th. On day four, there was a meeting between the board and students, including two congressmen, Congressman David Bonior and Steve Gunderson, they were on the board of Gallaudet? Um, they were on okay. the board, uh, and they basically were trying to calm things down. Okay. While this meeting was going on, Elizabeth Dinser showed up because she thought... She made a music joke, and it, wasn't, it didn't go over It didn't well. go over well. the deaf people couldn't hear it, right. and uh, hearing people were not amused. Correct. And then she lifted everyone who was deaf up with her, the force. The force, and, yeah. and choked them all to death. Yeah. Sure. Um, she thought... Ended the protest. <laughs> She thought the best thing to help stop the protest was for her to show up. <laughs> no, no, you're the whole problem. <laughs> yes, I know. She's like, but I'm the president. Yeah. Don't you know who I am? Yes. Yes, and that's, that's the, the point. point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like you. So she met with I King Jordan, who oh. was I King Jordan. Okay. Who was one of the men she beat out for the position to get his vocal support to help stop the protest. So his name is I King or is I... Uh, an I is an initial. Oh, I dot initial King Jordan. So yeah. this person is named known as King Jordan. I That's cool. King Jordan. All right. Yeah. Ignatius. I'm going to say it is Ignatius Not. King Jordan. Okay. Um, the two of them met with the four student leaders I mentioned before. So Zinser and Jordan. Yeah. Okay. And the students urged her to step down, and she said no. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I mean, we didn't see that coming. Yeah. They then would go to a press conference being held by Spillman. And uh, this is where Jordan publicly announced his support of Zinser. Really? Yeah. Okay. While that's going on, right, the faculty and staff are holding their meetings about whether or not to support the students, right? Okay. After some heated discussions, they opted in favor of the students. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, Keep in mind, there are a lot of deaf faculty and deaf staff. Sure. So later in the day, Zinser and Spillman met with the congressmen, Mm -hmm. who both urged them to meet the demands of the students. Okay. They're like, we had a big meeting with them before you guys showed up. Yeah, but that means that I wouldn't be president. Right. But I'm president. But you shouldn't be president. But if I do the thing you want me to do, then I won't be president. Which but I really be... want to be president. Well, you could be president elsewhere. Because when I'm the president, I have the power. I don't want the power. 
Okay, but maybe you take your power to another school. I wouldn't have power in another school. I'm not the president. But you could be president. I could be, but I am here, so. (laughs) (laughs) So later that night, the congressman basically publicly came out in support of the protesters. Mm -hmm. All right, so now this whole story has gotten so big, right, that Hlebach, Zinser, and Marley Matlin, who had just won the Oscar for Children of a Lesser God, Uh got interviewed by Ted Koppel on Nightline on ABC. Big time. So, like, that's day four. Sure. Like, it... It escalated My from, God, that's... Okay. Yeah, zero to 60, right? Yeah. So enter day five. Zero to Marley Matlin in yeah. four days. Oh, that's the dream. Yeah. I fucking love Marley Matlin. She's great. She is so talented. Yes. All right, so enter day five, right? Okay. And Thursday, March 10th. Okay. Greg Klebach was now on ABC's Good Morning America, and this story was not going to go away. Sure. The students heard that Spillman and Zinser were going to come to campus regardless of how the students felt, so they responded by moving the Gallaudet school buses in front of the driveways and blocking them with, while deflating the tires again. Wow. So okay. they upped the... They're like, cars, not enough. Mm-hmm. Buses? Buses, yes. Yes, bad. And they got Evil Knievel to jump over them. Yeah. <laughs> they well, turned it into a whole thing. They, and they while fried he some was, corn dogs. Yes. <laughs> and while he's jumping over them, he's signing at them, you rock. Yes. The big I love you sign. Yes. yes I, love the I love you sign. Mm-hmm. So during this time, deaf people from other schools, such as the National Technical Institute of the Deaf from Rochester, New York, mm-hmm. and others, drove busloads of supporters to Gallaudet to support the protest. With inflated tires, I assume. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they did it with deflated tires, and the whole way they're like, this is so bumpy. <laughs> they can hardly talk. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so in addition, food, supplies, and money poured in from all over to help keep the protesters going. They basically occupied the school. Right. They even got a $5,000 check from the American Postal Workers Union, which was hand-delivered by Mo Biller, the union's president. Okay. I think he was probably running for re-election and just wanted a publicity. I, maybe, but $5,000. What's that for? Deaf just people. Vending machine, vending machine food? I just like the idea of, like, deaf people mail things. We support you. <laughs> like... <laughs> Okay, thanks, Mo. Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful, but, like, yeah. it's so random. Uh, yeah, it is. It is random to get, like, from the mail workers union. Yeah. Okay. So, later that afternoon, I, King Jordan, uh-huh. pulled his support from Zinser and Good. said, after sleeping on it, basically that the protest was justified and that he supported the four demands from them. Okay. Right? Well done, Jordan. Later that night, Zinser resigned. All right. Finally. She went home and... Cried sure. on her pillow. Now I feel I've bad. lost my presidency. I'm not a president anywhere now. <laughs> she was president at another fucking school before that. That's the thing that gets really? me. Really? Like, I, I, I think so. I think that she went from one yeah, school to another. Yeah, but the real another. question is, was she ever president after that? <laughs> I hope not. Oh. Well, it wasn't really her fault. It really was. Well, no, it wasn't. She applied. Don't ruin this for me. I hate her. Okay. All right? <laughs> <laughs> I need to hate someone. You hate Spillman. Oh, fine. Okay, I'll hate her. Sorry. Sorry about that, uh, Elizabeth. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I take it all back. It wasn't your fault, really. You just wanted to be president. I get it. I want to be president of something. I'm not president of anything. Yeah, you are. You're president I'm of I'm president you. of my own fan club. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I take it back. Kevin held uh, groupies. Mm-hmm. They're called We Want to Be Held. <laughs> They're called the Oralists. <laughs> uh, okay. So, enter day six, mm-hmm. Friday, March 11th. Okay. When the students learned of her resignation, they started celebrating. Sure. And they handed out pins that had three and a half on them. The number three and a half. What's that? Basically, there were three and a half demands left to go. 
So they're like one half of the demand was good. Wow. I know what they used the $5,000 for. They made pins. They made pins. <laughs> Thanks, Postal Service. <laughs> yeah. And they had the Postal Service deliver them. And they mailed them all around. Yeah. Nice. So two press conferences were held, one by Spillman, uh, Zinser, and several board members downtown, and one from the students on campus. The students were about to go home for spring break, Mm -hmm. but they declared that if the rest of their demands weren't met, they would not go home. They would stay and occupy the school. Okay. Then they marched to the Capitol building and held a rally with speeches. This would be the first time they actually had the permits because they had time to prepare for this one. Right, okay. And the the website even was like, our students did this so well, they did a peaceful revolution, and they only broke a few laws with the few protests without permits, but we're still really proud of them. (laughs) Like, they they point out everything. I fucking love them. I'm like, you guys are great. So, all right, enter day seven, my favorite day of this whole thing. Oh, cool. Saturday, March 12th, everyone took the day off. What? Everyone took the day off. We had just a break in the The students basically attended barbecues and had an all-day arts festival on campus. (laughs) I love it. They're like, they're lay-missing themselves. We have been protesting for six days. We're exhausted. Yeah. And we need a party. Uh, yeah, I need to do the cha-cha slide real quick. Okay, let's do this. We'll come back to this yeah. on Sunday, okay? Let's leave the buses where they are. Yeah, they stay. Oh, look, there's a clown! She's <laughs> making balloon animals! <laughs> Is that evil Knievel? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so enter day eight, right? Okay. Sunday, March 13th. <laughs> After the break. After the break. <laughs> a few words from our sponsors. <laughs> uh, the board of trustees all convened to talk about what to do. Sure. They talked all day. Okay. And by the end of it, they finished with a final press conference where Spillman announced her resignation. Yes. And Braven was going to be the next board chair. Braven was the deaf member from earlier. Got it. In addition to that, they were going to set up a task force to determine the best way to achieve a 51% deaf majority for the board. Wow. No reprisals for the protesters. Uh-huh. And finally, I, King Jordan, was named the new school president. And, and he was deaf, And right? he's deaf. Isn't that great? So that's all four demands, if I'm counting right. Yeah. I'm keeping score on my little notepad over they here. They did it in eight fucking days. Wow. Eight days. With a day off. With a day off for <laughs> corn dogs. Yes. Nice. <laughs> All right. Wow. So what is the bright side to all of this? I think that, I mean, that's pretty clear what the bright side is. This was awesome. This is what a great topic this is. For me, the bright side is that for the first time ever, nationally, in the United States, deaf people were featured in the news as capable human beings. And they not only have feelings, they are smart, and they're able to do anything. Yeah. And in fact, I King Jordan is quoted saying, quote, deaf people can do anything hearing people can do except hear. Hmm. And uh, and it's a really profound statement because yeah. it, it, it's the truth. If you well, think... it's just the truth. It's yeah. not you know. I mean, it's it's sad that that people have to be reminded of that but... or learn it for the first time. But it's just the truth, right? And it also showed the world that the deaf community was able to organize. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there was nothing wrong with being deaf, and they weren't broken children who couldn't make choices for themselves. They're not, in fact, children of a lesser god. Yeah. They're just children of God, like yeah. the rest of us. Exactly. I love that. That's the whole point of that. I love that movie. I love that film. Oh, that... Oh, I think that Matlin. this was part... And it's it's interesting that you mentioned that Marley Matlin had just won the Oscar for that. So this is like a real like moment for yeah. the deaf community. It was a big year for them because sure. they were getting representation on the big screen, mm-hmm. although there could still be more. Of course. Of course, with every minority. But like they're finally getting representation. They're, they're winning awards. Mm-hmm. They're winning the right to lead themselves. I think... So another bright side is they, they did this peacefully. 
Right. You know, with, there was no loss of life. There was no real damage. They deflated were... a few tires and then they re-inflated them. They re-inflated them. Right. Yeah. Right. They didn't slash the tires. <laughs> no. They just deflated them. Yeah. You know, and, and then they, you know, blew them back up again. And, you know, they did this thing. that They really were... The, a group of p- people collectively got together and non-violently protested a thing that they found was wrong. And they won. Right. Without... Violence and without, you know, without illogic either. Like they had logic and they had, you know, the right on their side and they made the people in power notice it. Well, and the other other great thing also is that the allies came out to help. Mm -hmm. They showed up. Mm -hmm. And that's so important. It's so important when a a marginalized group is being marginalized that people who aren't turn out and help them. Yes. Because if you support them, you've got to show up and make your voice heard. I think that is that is really good because, you know, you are a minority living in a democracy in which the majority rules. Right. And so for any minority group, that can be super, super dangerous. And stressful. Yeah, absolutely. At so all times. You need the you need parts of the majority to come over and caucus with you and to be on your side. Right. Even though they it's not they're not in it for them. So there needs to be some altruism, and so that is a really great bright side out of this as well, is that people who weren't going to get anything out of it got on their side because they recognized that this, these are other people right. who need things, and that I can be on the right side of this of history in this situation. Now, right. We still need it today. We need yeah. it now. We need it now. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, it's a kind of a hopeful, it's like, it's one of those moments in history where it's... It's a beacon of hope for me to just think about because it's like if they could do it in eight days, it means we can do it. If we show up, we can do this. Absolutely. So. I love that. I think this is a fantastic topic. You know? Yeah. I, I, I love it. I think we've got some bright sides there. This has certainly been a bright side for my day. Thank Yay. you. It's so good to be back from our travels. Yes. You know, we had sort of uh, stockpiled a few episodes, but now we can get back to being here every week. Get like back normal to life. jumping in and being like, hi, I'm deaf. <laughs> That's awesome. So <laughs> everybody get out there. Uh, make your voice heard. Also, rate and review us. Thanks yes, again. please. And tell your friends. And thank you for all the love. But, like, the more ratings and reviews means that the more... Uh, the networks push us and then the more people can find us. (laughs) Absolutely. And we want the world to have bright spots. We sure do. We're here for you. Uh, So thank you, everybody. Have a great week and we'll see you next time. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, he just signed something to me. It's great. We hope you've liked this episode of The Bright Side with Kevin and Jason. If you did, please throw us some stars and give us a review on iTunes. It really helps others find the show. And if you didn't, just... Keep it to yourself or tell your diary. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Brightside K and J and on Facebook at The Bright Side with Kevin and Jason. All our past episodes are also streaming on our website, www.thebrightsidewithkevinandjason.com. Until next week, don't forget to look, look on, on the, the bright, bright side. side.